been wonderful to study through the Gospel of Matthew, taken six years, but probably only half that time because of other things that come in the evening service. And uh, I appreciate Matthew more now than when I first went through it, some decades before that. Now we look at 1 Corinthians. I don't know that I'm as excited about some of the subjects that he's going to bring up, Paul's going to bring up in Corinthians as I were with what Matthew brought up there, though some cross over. <clears throat> because we have in, the, in Corinthians a church that was in a very secular society, a very sinful society. And as you consider it, and we introduce that tonight, I think you'll understand that they were somewhat like we are in the society in which we live, probably worse. It was more raw back then, although we have all the electronics that they didn't have with the sin that can come through them. Uh, <clears throat> so we go to the book of Corinthians this evening, and we're going to first of all see the setting of the book. And before we do, let us pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the Word of God completed and perfected. And when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part will be done away. We have that perfect Word of God tonight, and we appreciate that you have given us these things for our learning, for our understanding, for our living. And I pray that it might be a blessing to us as we consider this church, uh, the churches that were at Corinth. And, Lord, that we'd learn from their mistakes and not repeat them. And if we are doing them, that we would change our ways. Or if we've been drawn into some of the things that they were doing, may, doing, maybe we would turn about, confess, and get right. Lord, bless the word this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to read from a commentator Brother Phillips is his name. He introduced this very, very good. Um, <clears throat> who's read Pilgrim's Progress or part of it? And maybe years ago, like mine was years ago, but you do remember some of the stories. Christian himself barely escaped from Vanity Fair. From Vanity Fair. We had the privilege when we were in England for three days, was it four days? I don't know. It was very short. <laughs> we went there a Sunday afternoon and we weren't going to Metropolitan Church. That was just too far to get into London with a car that you didn't know the area, you didn't know it. So we went to Bedford. Up, we went up north from where we were to Bedford and we walked to this... It was like a, a double-storey building and the bottom was smaller than the top. And it was done of brick, so it was brick up and then beams out, all bent like this, and brick on the outside. <laughs> Looks a bit seedy, wouldn't have much of a shake, and looked around, there's no one here. This is where we go in and learn about Bunyan. It was a, you know, you could look around like a little bit of a museum. And uh, there was a bloke in there, we eventually got in there, and you had to go to choir practice a bit later, but we walked up the road, uh, a little road in the middle, and Vanity Fair, Vanity Fair, this real one, was there. That's where they had it. And the big sort of double-size oval thing, just to the right-hand side in the church where John Bunyan preached. We went in up around that. And the graveyard looked at a few tombstones. It was interesting, just a bit of history of that. But Vanity Fair was right. That's where they had Vanity Fair. 
and all the th things that they sold. And the fellow, when we got into the museum thing and the uh, door by, behind which he was locked when he was put in jail, uh, the actual door was pretty thick. There's no way of clawing your way out of it. But <clears throat> so we have, we don't have trouble identifying Vanity Fair when it comes to reading New Testament books. It's the book of, well, it's the city of Corinth in Paul's day. Um, <clears throat> Paul was actually in Rome, uh, in Corinth, sorry, in Corinth when he wrote Romans chapter 1, verse 19 to the end of that chapter. And you read that, and it's like he's looking around, oh yeah, uh, and another one. <laughs> and he wrote the sins of mankind down in Romans 1. And uh, you know what Romans 1, you know, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. And, and it goes on and then start list, listing the sins and how they turned from God. And so Paul was <clears throat> in Corinth when he wrote that portion of Scripture. And the sins listed there were everyday sins in, on the streets of Corinth. And it wasn't just done at night time. They were doing it in broad daylight. Do you feel that that's happening already in our country? The sins that they used to do in secret, they're doing in public now. And it makes you feel sick when you see that on the main street in a country town. I re remember when Brother Mitchell was here, Brother Bruce Mitchell was here, <clears throat> and he said when he first was in Albury, Moved into Albury, you'd walk down the street, you'd know everybody. Hello, hello, you know, take, you go shopping, but you go talking, really. <laughs> because, as, you know, it was a smaller town and things like this didn't happen. But now they openly display the things that they ought to be ashamed of. So it was in Corinth. And this is no small thing. For to be a Christian in Corinth, you needed backbone. You had to spurn the ways and the wares of the city of Corinth. You had to keep yourself, as it says, I think in Peter, unspotted from the world that was around you, just as we need to do today. Christianity is in no peril from the Corinthians and vanity fairs of this world. However, so long as we stray, stay true to our call. Christians are safe, even in Corinth, even in our day, as long as they recall that we're headed to heaven and this is not our home. We sing, I'm just a passing through. Is that a chorus we used to sing? This is not home. And so all the things, all the things that get our attention, Vanity Fair. I think with what's going on in Australia today, people are learning it's not all uh, Vanity Fair anymore. And no more things happening. A lot of things cancelled for the reasons of you know, catching this bug and this virus that's going around. <clears throat> but let's be careful not to be drawn into that. You see, these Corinthians were saved out of that. And the temptation was to be dragged back into that. And or not to get rid of those things that you had hanging on when you got saved. Some of the old nature things were still there and the temptation was to go back to that way and to practice those sort of living principles within the church. And that's what you find Paul had to deal with. Now, <clears throat> Christianity was designed to enable us to make our way through this world on our way to the heavenly city, to the world to come. Now, <clears throat> and <laughs> it's likened to, our lives are likened to a ship going through the sea. 
Ships are designed to float in deep water. Shallow water is dangerous. But when the water's outside the ship, it's fine. But when the water gets inside the ship, that's when it's dangerous, is it not? <clears throat> and this imperiled the church at Corinth. The water of the world was getting inside their ship, their Christian ship. And this is why Paul wrote to them and how appropriate this message is for us today. There's water in the ship and the ship is going down <laughs> and it's going down fast. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> water in the ship and Paul said it would be so. The world is there encroaching on us, on our thinking, on our behaviour. The young people are under pressure to conform to the world. The things of this world, the, the gadgets they have to make it easy to sin and to hide it too. <clears throat> this know in verse 1 of 2 Timothy 3, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's what all this, all the empty shelves are, are that. <laughs> They're lovers of themselves and I'm going to get before you get it. <laughs> and... Uh, Where's the sharing bit? Not, a, not there. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce baker, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, incontinent, uncontrolled, uncontrolled, and fierce. And the stabbing of a young fellow yesterday, completely unprovoked, 15-year-old, doing nothing, didn't know them, and they just stabbed, was it yesterday or the day before? Just fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. A lot of pleasures have been taken away by order of the government, and there might be more so coming. Having a form of godliness... But denying the power of it. This is talking about Christian circles. Having a form of godliness. Denying the power of it from such turned away. For this sort are they who creep into houses. And you read on in that portion of scripture describing the water in the ship. <clears throat> Remember in Pilgrim's Progress. As Pilgrim John Bunyan faced Vanity Fair as he went shopping in Vanity Fair and he named the different ones that he met and these might be right within the church and these are some of the names he called them and your, your imagination has to fill in the blanks. Mr. High-Minded, yep. <laughs> Mr. Liar, yep. <laughs> Mr. Cruelty, mm -hmm. Mr. Hate Light, Mr. Implacable, Mr. Blind Man, Mr. No Good, Mr. Malice, and Mr. Love Lust, Mr. Enmity, and Mr. Heady. <laughs> These are the ones that he's introduced, were introduced to as he walked through and went to Vanity Fair. <clears throat> Picture yourself now as this letter. You see, we've got a complete Bible. We just got, got it all in one. We've got all the letters in one. But picture yourself in the church at Corinth on the day that the letter arrived there <laughs> and it was going to be read. 
In those days, there were a number of churches. You see, we've got cars and we, we come to the church and it'd be easy to have one church in Albury. But there were a number of churches. They walked to places. And so in that city, they had different churches and the, unto the elders of the church, you can understand what that means. It could be elders within a church, but it could be elders of different churches coming together. The elders of the church at Ephesus, similar, similar thing. But um, <clears throat> a number of gathering places in the church there at Corinth. And these were probably in the homes of prominent people who had larger homes to accommodate people to meet. Um, <clears throat> they were well known. There was one well known household at Corinth and that was Chloe's household. <laughs> They'd been to Ephesus to see Paul. Chloe herself seems to have been one that went and made no secret about it. She wasn't gossiping. She was going to report. <laughs> the Corinthian believers could well have imagined the kind of things that Paul had been told because they knew things weren't right in the church. <laughs> His informants would tell him of the squabbling, or did tell him because we have it written, <laughs> the rivalries, the immorality that was happening, the lawsuits, going to law with one another, the abuse of grace, the abuse of gifts, these things are happening because Paul, that's what Paul wrote about after he heard the report. Doubtless, some thought Paul would drop everything and rush over to Corinth, especially since he had written to the Corinthian churches already. An apostolic visit was nothing to take lightly for a, an apostle had remarkable powers and Paul did have those as shown. In his writings in the book of Acts, he could smite with blindness, which he had done, and even death. Others thought that Paul would simply write another letter for you. After all, he was not a brilliant preacher or speaker. His letters, by contrast, were weighty and eloquent. Now, I'm not putting down what Paul was. He was a brilliant man. He was a godly man. But when he sat down and was guided by the Spirit and he thought through the matter and penned it, I can, he wasn't one to, as it were, think on his feet, though he, he did that many times, but he was one when he started thinking through it. In, and God guiding him, of course, and he would write on a subject, in, and like Romans and Corinthians and all of them, he develops a subject and he develops subjects and he brings them all to a conclusion. He brings the, the sin. He brings the, the doctrine in. And then he, he said, that now this is how you should behave. As we read through the books, we maybe, maybe don't pick that up. But that's what he did. But when he put uh, pen to, to paper, he had an eloquent, guided by the Spirit, he had eloquence and weighty words. All the debate was settled when the letter arrived. The the Corinthian letter. Probably some convenient place was, was used, one of the bigger houses, maybe out in the public park, as, as uh, Brother Sakari said this morning, oh, we could meet on the block next door if uh, they stop us because you can sit apart from each other. <laughs> it was just joking, I think. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but they met, a central place was chosen that they could all could come. Maybe the house of justice was chosen. In Acts chapter 18, verse 7, it talks about his place, um, <clears throat> where they all assembled. We can see them come. 
because as is written in Corinth, in the Corinthian letter, you've got the rich ones with all their noble dress, influential ones. Aquila and Priscilla, for examples, were in a good way of business. They had a business in Rome and they had to move out because Christians were ordered to leave Rome. And so they would have had means to to dress and to buy things. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) There was Titus Justus. These names are mentioned. Crispus. Sosthenes. Now, it's like if you go to a church that people haven't been to this church, you go to a church down there and you say, "Um, brother, such and such and such and such, they have no idea. But you know, if you're from the church here, who they're talking about. And um, all these names are mentioned throughout the the books of Corinthians. Um, Former rulers in the synagogue, these were Titus Justus, Crispus and Sosthenes. Denise. Uh, they were well known in town too. There was Erastus, the treasurer of the city. This is a big business place. The treasurer of the city was among the saved in that church. These are all gathered together to hear this letter that was going to be read. There were household names that were familiar to the family of God. Stephanus, Gaius, Chloe, Tertitus, Fortunus, Achaeus and Cortes. Cortus. Um, then there were the leading men of various factions. Well, they would be well known, wouldn't they? I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of, you know, and the different fra- factional groups uh, that were leading these factions. So this is, you can, you can hear when the letters read some sort of steam coming out their ears. <laughs> How dare he talk about me like that in public? Well, you come to listen to the letter, listen to it. Um, <clears throat> especially when he got to the divisions. Right in chapter 1, he didn't mess around about getting to the point in chapter 1. <clears throat> um, there were gifted believers too, and great men, some prominent for having some charismatic gifts. Paul didn't deny that some of these people could speak in tongues, and it seems like quite a lot of them could at that time. Um, <clears throat> these people were known. Others didn't have that gift for that time. And then there was the rank and file of the congregation. Many still slaves, many having to work all night and day. Some freed from their slavery. There was boys and girls and young people in, this, in the ear of reading this book. And so quite a gathering. And as we join the throng, we can pick up the snatches of conversation and catch the thrill and the babble as they talked. It died away once the leading person got up to read 1 Corinthians. Um, For us, Paul's Corinthian letters are simply epistles, documents to be studied, analysed, word studies to be done on them and and sort of out into different groups of, you know, doctrine, things like that, to scrutinise. For that great throng that day, what was in the moderator's hand was a letter addressed to them, personally to their church it's like an apostle writing to us saying I hear this this and this is going on you'd sort of yeah ooh. and and when it got to certain points everybody's looking around yeah that's you <laughs> another one huh? that's you <laughs> and you can see it happening this literally happened as though they were all excited about it but maybe some weren't so 
enthusiastic once enthusiastic about the reading of it in public once that started the reading of this and so they were hanging <clears throat> and listening to every word hanging what they believed on this so we have a little bit of a preface and introduction to that let's look at just verse 1 and 3 we see Paul sending his regards to them and it wasn't, wasn't very long that he got into the subject at hand Paul, I, uh, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that are in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll read just to verse 9. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him, in all utterance and in knowledge, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also con confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord and so <clears throat> we see verses 1 to 3 Paul sends his regards he, the salutation is given there at the start not the end of the book he signed it we, we, we usually at the end of a letter write our name but here Paul right at the front Paul Paul who turned the world upside down <laughs> He was either loved or he was loathed. He was loathed by the Jewish people that didn't believe. He was loved by those that did believe. He was admired or despised. Uh, <clears throat> people either imitated him fondly or ridiculed him passionately. Even some of the believers ridiculed him. But none could ignore him. <laughs> he was a black and white man no grey in his belief and understanding of the truth imagine having what Paul had the privilege and opportunity of learning under Gamaliel a teacher of the law and who seemed to be somewhat of a balanced man more than others because he said take heed that you do these people no harm because they might be of God and we might not be at least he'd, he'd said that to the people that wanted to get a hold of the apostles and kill them but <clears throat> He'd learnt under him, a privileged person. He not only learnt under him, but when he got saved, a miracle really was performed. And his salvation, that was a privilege. There was no big light shone around me when I got saved, although the light of the gospel came into my heart. He had that privilege. Then he, then he went to the, the house of um, that man up in Damascus. I can't remember his name. And... Um, <clears throat> The Lord had told him to go and he'd be in the house and you'd put your hands on him and he'd receive his sight. And so a miracle straight away. And um, he could speak in a lot of languages, gifted. A lot of the languages he had learnt, he disciplined himself to learn. And it seems like eight or nine languages he knew. There's a few in our church, no two, maybe three at the most, but he learned all these languages. I don't think it's easier as you learn more, but I, I can't say. <clears throat> he was privileged in that but 
One of the greatest privileges that Paul had was that he received divine revelation of God. He penned down for the church how it was going to work. He penned down the doctrines and, and gave us the understanding of them. A great privilege he had, but God knew that he would take this responsibility very seriously in his life. And he'd drop everything else. He'd count them as dung, he says in a portion of scripture, that he might be able to use what he had received of the Lord with utmost diligence and to get the message out to the people. Go to the world. Go ye into all the world. That's what he literally did. He took that literally and he did it. Um, <clears throat> Paul, a Roman citizen. Remember when he got tied up by the Romans and were about to beat him? And he said, uh, is it right? Is it lawful to do this? <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> you're a Roman citizen? We didn't know. And they let off and they slunk away. <laughs> we didn't bind him. Let him go. But a Roman citizen, a Greek cosmopolitan, he knew the language, he knew the, he knew the culture. You see, when, when people come to our country in Australia, they, you, you can crack jokes and they don't smile because they don't get what we're saying. They have to be here for a while to, to get that, don't they? Uh, they I th Jim is picking up pretty good on some of the things. As he, as, he, as he listens and he laughs at things, you can say, well, I think he got it. <laughs> but it is hard for people to do that. Um, <clears throat> but Paul, as he said, he could become all things to all men that he might save some. In other words, he understood where they're coming from. It's important to do that when you're witnessing to a person. Understand you know, some of where their background is, what their work is, what, how they think even as Australians to Australian. Um, <clears throat> he's a trained Jewish rabbi with a greater mind, as it's been said by one, than Einstein, Shakespeare and Beethoven. A giant intellectually, as brave as a lion with white-hot emotions. Saul, his Hebrew name, had been jettisoned <laughs> with the baggage of rabbinical Judaism. And he learnt that well and he learnt it quick. You can't continue to live under the law. You're under grace now. It is different, whole different approach. It concerns me when a person is trying to live the Christian life under the law. Yes, we're to keep a standard. I'm not going to throw the standard out. But to, to live under the law and uh, thou shalt and thou shalt not is not what grace is about. <laughs> but grace doesn't give us liberty to do as we please. Under grace, we do what we do as a Christian because we love him who has done what he has done for us. He has saved us. He secured us a place in heaven. And we love him and we serve him from love, not because of law. Um, Ask yourself the question, what am I doing this for? <laughs> Who am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? Uh, <clears throat> so, out went Saul and Paul. His new name would identify him with the Gentiles. His mission field, as I said before, was the world. No one in Jerusalem, without any PA system, without any radio or television, and, and no Facebook, Paul's name was known in Jerusalem, in Antioch, both Antiochs, down there in Lebanon and up in Turkey, the other one, Galatia, which is Turkey, 
known all around Turkey, Macedonia, Athens, and Corinth, which were in Greece. This man was known. It's like, you know, if he, when he went to prison, who are you? Oh, Paul. Oh, yeah. Know about you. Heard about you. <laughs> That's the sort of person that, you know, he, because of what he preached and how he preached it and what he said, people sat up and paid attention to the word and knew who this chap was. His name spoke volumes and stirred responses from people. Caught Paul. Let's go to that portion. I know we've read it recently, very recently in Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> Just to see what God did for this man. Because, you see, God knew the outcome of giving him these things. God knew how Paul would respond. And how he would serve without fear or favour. Hey, When you're amongst your peers in work, say a pastor, say a pastor in a, in a church, and you know that what's being said or done or promoted is not right, what should a pastor do? Say something. Say something. Not just when you get home to your wife after the meeting. <laughs> the, <clears throat> and that's what Paul did he said something and we know that he did that to another apostle the chief bloke <laughs> the head honcho <laughs> Peter he said you know you have just done and he didn't do it just when nobody was around he did it when everybody was there <laughs> he did it when the Jews turned up and when the Gentiles were there that Peter had been eating with why have you done this, Peter? In front of us, you were eating with the Gentiles and enjoying that ham. And now that the Jews have come, you've stopped eating. What's the problem, Peter? <laughs> and, and, and later on, in, in Peter's writing, Peter said, Beloved brother Paul. <laughs> so that whatever had happened that day, it had been resolved and sorted out and Peter was still on speaking terms with Paul. Uh, here in Ephesians, we're going chapter 3 and verse 1. For this cause, and Paul's not boasting. He had to, he, he didn't. And we're going to look at those, I think, five areas, five whole portions of scriptures. No, no mean little bit being given to it where, where Paul at times had to say something because people were just taking advantage of him or, or, or suppressing him and saying, yeah, who are you? Who do you think you are? And he just unwillingly boasted, as it were, and said, now, I've done, this has happened to me. What's happened to you for you to claim to be in authority? And uh, well, Lord willing, we'll look at those in the morning services to come. And this calls I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me toward you. That's quite a thing that was given to Paul. And, and he said to Peter, you go to the Jews and I'll go to the Gentiles. But we're both preaching the gospel of the grace of God. And, and, and Peter had his special revelations too. He, he was down there at Corne Cornelius' house that he was called to go there, the, the sheet that was lowered from heaven. Rise and eat. But Peter, Paul here is given this special gift, this special revelation in verse 3, that by revelation he may know unto me the mystery as I wrote 
before in few words. This is the church. This is a new thing. It's not just a continuation of the Old Testament. Things were changing. <coughs> and when things change, people find it hard. God authenticated these changes with miracles that were done. By which when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and his prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, not of the Jewish body, a new body, the body of Christ, and partakers of this promise of his promise in Christ by the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of, the, of his power. He said unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, I'm a murderer, as it were. I was standing by consenting unto the death of people, of Christians. Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery, of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ? So he's talking about the church and this that was given to him, this revelation. So we see Paul changed from Saul to Paul. <clears throat> we see Paul's certification there. Since he was about to lay down the law, he needed, <laughs> this is to the Corinthians, he needed to remind them who he was. His status is declared there in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll go back. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. So laying down the law, he needed to remind them. His status is declared an apostle by the will of God. His credentials, every bit as good as Peter's or John's or James's. His status is was derived not from man but as we read in Ephesians from the Lord himself and so there was a thrill and a threat in this introduction of himself an apostle the thrill of life healing and instruction the things that he received of the Lord but also as with the um, with Peter that did miracles healing there was healing possible at that time he had that gift. There's a thrill of that. But there's also the threat that comes with meeting an apostle, and you won't meet them today if anyone says he is. He's not. <clears throat> so don't be under the threat. <laughs> there's a threat of death. The threat of death. This is Paul had that ability. And remember, Peter, I think I'm right, in, first, in Acts chapter 5, where Ananias and Sapphira, that's right, they came there and told a lie and they'd agreed together, they'd consented together to tell a lie. While it was not your own, no problem. But now you've de said you've done this and you haven't and they were smitten dead right in front of the apostle. So this was weighty stuff. And um, if, a, if a preacher tries to say, I'll smite you dead, <laughs> just smile at him. <laughs> no, you won't. You can't. <laughs> You're not an apostle might think himself to be one but Paul had a whole arsenal of weapons when it came to spiritual warfare <laughs> let's look at Acts chapter 13 he used them at, he did use them at times he didn't do it immediately like it wasn't operated by the old human nature you get revenge and do it now 
No, he wasn't like that. In Acts chapter 13, <coughs> in verse 8, we read this. <laughs> but Elimaeus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, speaking, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. <laughs> He's got Paul's attention. Look out. <laughs> this man's an apostle. And said, O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. I wonder what he, Elimaeus was thinking when these things were being said. Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist of darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Do you think he kept talking? No, no. He was smitten. And the, and the deputy who Paul was witnessing to, that Elimaeus was trying to turn away from believing, when he saw what was done, oh man, I believe. <laughs> You can see sort of the reaction. <laughs> Being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. All the ins and outs of their travels. <clears throat> but you see that Paul, as an apostle, did exercise this at times. And at other times, people were delivered from evil spirits, the one that made them much money. In the sorceries they got in, involved. And so we've seen his certification and then Paul's co-worker is mentioned back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I was going back to Matthew. I'm so used to doing that. But, um, <clears throat> uh, and and, and Sosthenes, our brother there, the co-worker. When Paul first went to Corinth, he took the synagogue by storm. The chief ruler, Crispus, got saved. And he, with Paul, got thrown out of the synagogue. Sosthenes, in chapter 18 of Acts and verse 17, replaced him. And replaced Crispus. Now Sosthenes is saved. And he's a co-worker with Paul. And these, these people were no mean people. These people were learned people like Paul. He'd, he'd learned the way of the Jews. They were rulers in the synagogue. Let's turn to Acts. <coughs> the story of this is given in the book of Acts, chapter 18. Uh, time's up already. Uh, <clears throat> Acts, chapter 18, and you have the what went, went on there. And after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in, in Pontius, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, there's so much said in just a few verses. <laughs> he abode with them and wrought for their, by their occupation. They were tent makers, they were builders, <laughs> you might say, of that day, in uh, nomadic tents. He... he and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves he, and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm clean 
from now on I'll go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered into a certain man's house named Titus Justus, one who worshipped God whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptised. You see, these men of influence, these men of affluence, these men got saved as Paul reasoned with them. And the Gentiles were getting saved. The Corinthians were getting saved. Then spoke the Lord to Paul by night in a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Let him have it. For the Lord said to Paul, For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of the Lord among them. Imagine being under Paul and the ministry that he had to them and teaching them all the things about the church. And so there's Crispus, Sosthenes, and um, <clears throat> who was the other... The other uh, these, these rulers, these leaders... <laughs> got saved there and then in verse 2 of Corinthians chapter 1 unto the church of God which is at Corinth and we're done our, we've, we've done ourselves we'll, we'll leave that we'll look at the sanctified and continue in and looking at the local church but introduction is more about putting things together in general and uh, wouldn't have it been exciting to watch the reactions of the people at Corinth as he op- as the leader or the reader of First Corinthians started reading it and to see the sad face you could almost without knowing the people and without knowing their language look at them and say yeah he's talking about him now now he's talking about him you know <laughs> and, and, and as we sit and look we're living in a generation and a city like Corinth and the old ruins are still there we did some in night classes there a few couple of years ago uh, there's a big channel dug up through there, isn't there, to let ships bypass through that area now. They've tried it and tried it for years, for decades, for <coughs> hundreds of years. But they've got it through and divides it now. But this is a place. And when Paul refers to certain places in Corinth, you can go to the old ruins and say this is what he's talking about. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what started over there that the Japanese are trying to keep running this year? <laughs> the games. <laughs> the games and so there was a lot of affluence a lot of money around and a lot of people used to doing a lot of sporty things eh? that sounds familiar <laughs> in our country sporty things uh, let's not be let's not the, let the water of the world come into our boat let's keep it out not by pumping it out but plugging the holes <laughs> just don't let the world get into our lives let's pray thank you Lord for this church at Corinth, thank you, Lord, that they had these problems that we now can read about how to deal with these problems. And, and these problems are usually people problems that have, come, that have come into the church there and some very wicked things. And, Lord, we look at it and say, were they even Christians? But, Lord, you called them saints. And, Lord, they were your, your people, but not behaving like your people. I pray that we wouldn't do that would behave as children of God chosen in Christ saints headed to heaven be a good example bless us as we go our way this week to do just that in Jesus name Amen